Hey, Tommy and Eddie here to talk to you about something really great, Palm Sunday. Yeah, that's the Sunday that we paint our palms purple to commemorate King Saul talking to that palm reader lady, and then we wave him in the air. <laughs> no, no it's not. Yes it is. No it's yes, not. Yes it no. is. What Bible do you read? Palm Sunday commemorates the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Now picture this, Jesus rode in on a donkey while the crowds put their cloaks and palm branches all over the ground shouting Hosanna to the son of David. That's what I said. That's what I meant. Okay, now picture this. Jesus' popularity was going viral. I mean, he just raised Lazarus from the dead in the same community just a few days earlier. Wait, post-dead Lazarus was maybe at the very first Palm Sunday? Yeah, probably. That's so cool. I bet if he was there, he was probably like, And you're a thriller, thriller, Jesus. You raised me from the dead when you said, Get up, get up, get up, Now, to complete all of this, Jesus needed a donkey. Now, you'd think that a king or a prince would ride in on a horse, but not Jesus. He knew the message that he wanted to send. You see, a donkey represents peace. Anybody riding a donkey represented peaceful intentions. Yeah, it says right here in Matthew 21, it says that Jesus sent two of his disciples to get him a donkey. Yeah. Hey, I wonder which two he sent. Mm, maybe Thomas. I doubt it. I bet he sent Andrew. Andrew would totally do that, and probably... Tony. I bet he said Andrew and Tony. Tony's not a disciple. Oh, sorry. Tony is. Still not a disciple. What translation of the Bible do you read? Jesus needed a donkey, so he asked two disciples to go get him a donkey. He told them they would find one in town, tied there next to a colt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he says, untie them and bring them to me. And if somebody asks you about it, you tell them the Lord needs them? Jeez. Yeah. What? Well, Jesus told his disciples to go steal a donkey for him. What Bible do you read? It doesn't say that at all. I can't figure this out. I mean, Jesus, he changed water into wine. Cool. He fed the 4,000. He fed right? the 5,000. What? He fed the 5,000. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Not the fourth. It's the 5,000. We're splitting hairs. I'm sorry. Jesus fed a large group of people. and That's cool. He, he healed people with leprosy. He raises Lazarus from the dead and then boom, he's like, hey guys, go steal me a donkey. I'm just saying, I don't think that's very WWJD. The significance of Jesus riding on a donkey, which he did not steal, was to fulfill the prophecy that is found in Zechariah 9.9. Yeah, but the... And the king riding in on a lowly donkey with his way paved with palm branches. The palm branches symbolize triumph or victory. The what? The palm branches. The bran... I palm thought... branches, palm Sunday. The... I thought it was the palm. They should call it Branch Sunday because that's confusing. We all have palms with us all the time. I just, I feel bad. I, I'm sorry, Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is a time for us to prepare our hearts for the agony of his passion and the joy of his resurrection. So this week, let's cover the road to the cross with our hearts, our souls, and our minds as we reflect on the final week of Jesus' life. And let's celebrate in anticipation the return of the King of Kings.
Well, welcome to Belong Church. I know that video was a little bit longer than normal for our bumper videos, but I couldn't find any place to stop it or edit it down, and it just cracked me up. And I hope everyone got some of the one-liners and the jokes they got in there of him saying, who did they send? Maybe Thomas. Ah, I doubt that for doubting Thomas. Anyway, that just cracks me up, all the different things. And those guys must have a lot of fun thinking these things up and creating these videos. But we're so glad that you're with us on this Palm Sunday. And it's April the 5th, which is a special day for me because it was 46 years ago today that I made my decision to follow Christ. It was at a, a little country church that I grew up in, out in the middle of a field. It's still there and it's still a thriving church of not that many people, but they're still going and it's, it's wonderful. But we had a revival service and, and I went down to pray for people to be saved, which is very hilarious to me to think back because it's basically the same people that went there every Sunday was there for the revival nights. But nevertheless, that's what we did and it was wonderful. And, and I went down to pray for people to get to know Christ. Christ and that some would come to know him. And as I was kneeling down there as a seven-year-old little boy, I felt God just like tap on my heart and says, I want you. So the service was already over. I actually went back to my mom and kind of tugged on her coat and said, Jesus wants me. So we went up to the evangelist and um, after the service, everything, everybody was leaving already and I was able to sit there and say the prayer. And it's been a life-changing day for me. So April 5th is always a wonderful day for me. And it's one that I, I actually would rather count that as my birthday because it's a few years younger. That always helps. But uh, it's, it's the day that I really, really enjoy. So perhaps today's message is not going to be your normal Palm Sunday message. And, and certainly we're going to take into account that they came in, but I kind of let the bumper video cover a lot of that so that I can go and maybe a different path. I, I want to take you back. We talked about this uh, several months ago, and if you missed it, I'm going to kind of recap it a little bit. But in the book of Daniel, the nation of Israel had been taken captive by this other kingdom, and now they're slaves, and three children, uh, they're Hebrew children, and they were renamed with these other names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you may have heard the story, you probably have heard of the names at least, and there's a bunch of kids, um, kids church, little skits and different things, you know, and all these different things. There's some jokes that go along with it. But these three Hebrew children were seen as the cream of the crop, and they were harvested out of all of the ones in the Hebrew slaves to be brought in and to be brought into this new culture. And so as they're doing this, they're then groomed to take leadership spots, not necessarily even over the Hebrews, but over the entire kingdom. And, and they had this it's a fabulous story to read in Daniel. And, and that the whole point isn't to go into their whole life story. But if you'll recall, the most interesting and relevant thing to me, and it's actually one of my favorite stories, and I think about it often when I go through difficulties, it is when they were faced with the entire nation being commanded by the king Nebuchadnezzar to bow down and worship this golden image. And, and he had this music that, that he had played, and when you hear the music, everyone in the entire kingdom is supposed to bow down and worship him and his golden image. 
So the first commandment is you shall not have any other gods before me and you shall worship only me as God. And so they're very well versed in this and they're not going to bow down to this idol, this golden image, or to King Nebuchadnezzar himself. And so the, the people that didn't like them in leadership, they're all trying to, you know, do all these conspiracies behind the scenes. And so they work it out and they run to King Nebuchadnezzar and tell him that they didn't, the three golden children, if you will, the ones that everybody's like so had it because they're the ones rising and they're doing all these wonderful things and, and they're going there tattling on him. And they're saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, they didn't do it. And we pick up in Daniel 3, verse 13. And Nebuchadnezzar burned with anger. And he sent for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they were brought to him. Then the king said to them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is what I heard about you true? Now, and now don't you hear kind of the, the favored um, king in this, like, I don't want it to be true. And, and just tell me something. Tell, tell me this is wrong. Tell me I heard this wrong. Don't you serve my gods? Don't you worship the golden statue that I set up? It, and even in this, it, can't you hear the, but, but you're in our country, but aren't you worshiping my gods? Isn't what is important to me? important to you? Verse 15, you will hear the horns and the flutes and all these other instruments. And, and when you do, just fall down. He's telling them again as if they didn't know, as if maybe there's some kind of mistake that happened. And, you know, here's your second chance. And, and if you will, then that's very good. But if you won't, you will be thrown at once into the burning, the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to save you from my powerful hand. And, and just as a pause right there, I think sometimes we can get so caught up with being here on this earth that we miss out on how big our God is. Sometimes we can even look at this in the, in the context of the coronavirus and the quarantine and, and the, the things we hear on the news that people are dying and, and this many people are predicted to die in the month of April and this many by this year and all these things we can look at and say, what God is able to save you? I mean, in the, it's a virus. Who could save you from that? But I'm here to tell you, God is a saving God. He's a healing God. And, and he's an amazing God. And I just love the story of how the three Hebrew children reply to this. Verse 17. Sorry. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to talk about this anymore. <laughs> Isn't that pretty funny? It's like, hey, let's just cut to the chase. Let me just tell you how this is going to be. We, we don't need to keep going back and forth on this because you're not going to convince us. Verse 17. We might be thrown into the, in the blazing furnace. Like, that's in your control if you want to throw us in there. But the God we serve is able to bring us out of it alive. Now, I want you to see, and you're probably far, farther down the, the story than I am right here in this, but I want you to see that they said, listen, you may be able to throw us in there, but our God is able to bring us through. He's able to take us out of it. He's able to take us out of that flame that you threw us in there, and we're going to make it out alive. 
And he will save us from your powerful hand. They're not, they're not saying his hand isn't powerful. They're not saying there aren't powers here on this earth. And I'm not saying that that coronavirus isn't serious. It is. But the God we serve is able to bring us out of it alive. If you hear nothing else in this message today on this Palm Sunday, let me just tell you, that's it. You should be taking notes. It should be put this up on your refrigerator. The God we serve is able to bring us out of it alive. Verse 18. But we want you to know this. Even if we knew, and I love this translation in the NIRV of how they, they just phrase this all up. But even if we knew that our God wouldn't save us, we still wouldn't serve your gods. Even if we knew that we were going to perish in there, we're still not going to bow down and worship you. Our, our morals and our, our personal um, compass of how we're supposed to live and how we're following God and how we're following the Ten Commandments, we're not going to serve your gods. And we wouldn't worship the golden statue that you set up. Can I tell you, they were convinced they didn't make it into the Hebrews um, Hall of Fame of faith, of by faith Abraham, of by faith Noah, and all of this. But can I tell you, by faith, by being convinced, remember that's what that word faith means, to be convinced or persuaded. Man, you don't get any more convinced or any more persuaded than those three Hebrews children standing up to the king of this entire region and saying, no. We're not going to do what you said. And no, we're not going to bow down. And even if we knew that we we're going to perish, and even if we knew that God wasn't going to save us, we're still not going to do it because we're going to serve him. It's just the most amazing story. And if you don't know the rest of the story, I encourage you to go finish reading it. But God came and stepped in and, and they got thrown in. And, you know, I'm not going to recant the whole story. But the king looks and he says, I see four. We threw three in and I see four. And the fourth looks like the son of God. And how the world would he know what the son of God looked like? But Jesus being in that fire with them was so evident that you know that you know that you know. But fast forwarding to Jesus being on the earth. I'm often amazed, and I talk about it fairly often, so you've probably heard me say this, but it's amazing to me that Jesus didn't only come to pay for my sins or the sins of everyone, but he came as a baby and he grew up to be an example for us how to live. See, he could have paid the greatest sacrifice that he did, in fact, do for us as we commemorate in this coming week and, and what happens on Good Friday and good for us and it was bad for him. He could have come and just shown up and made that sacrifice and man, it would have been the greatest event in the world. But he and Father God chose to send him as a baby to grow up and to experience things as we experience in fact, it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He increased. In other words, he didn't just come with it all done. 
He's walking out and he's getting this revelation from God as to who he is. He's getting revelation, though he is God. He's getting revelation as a man from God the Father that this is who you are. And as he's communicating back and forth with God, he grew and he increased in wisdom and stature. So by the age of 30, he had it all sewed up. He knew what was going on. But this week, we're celebrating Palm Sunday. And in this week in the Bible, there's a whole lot that happens. And in fact, I encourage you to take some time out this week to read from Matthew chapter 21 on. Like I said, there's a whole lot that's packed into this. And we're going to hit some highlights, but I'm not going to take you through verse by verse of this, but I encourage you to go and watch it for yourself. And think about, as we're going through each day this week leading up to what would have been the crucifixion on Friday, to the resurrection that is Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday next week. Go and read through it. But can I tell you, when you pick up in Matthew 21, we see that Jesus purposed to go to Jerusalem. But he knew what awaited him. He had already grown in this wisdom and knowledge, and he knew, and he'd already been talking to them and foreshadowing that, hey, I have to be a sacrifice. I'm going to go through this. And they couldn't understand it. Their brains were all messed up. In fact, they were thinking that his entrance into Jerusalem uh, with this whole palms being thrown down and all of this wonderfulness is going to be the fact that they're going to come in and knock the Romans out and take over. See, in their mind, they had a way of they, how they thought it was going to be. Can I just tell you, it's never how we think it's going to be. God's got a plan and God's got a, an idea and we're usually so far off from it, but his way is so much better. But even in Jesus knowing what was going to happen when he went to Jerusalem, he still obeyed his destiny. He still obeyed the father who set out for him to go and experience it and go through and now to pay the ultimate price for me having missed it, for your having missed it. So he instructed his, his disciples to go get a donkey. And, and the bumper video really covered over all of that stuff, so I'm not going to go into great detail on that. But can I tell you, this is a rare moment for Jesus to enter into the city in a grandiose event. Jesus was never this person that's going to come up there and, and show up and just say, hey, look at me, everybody, I'm the Son of God. This is a rare glimpse into his deity and him being the king of kings and for him being the ruler of all rulers. But as he came in, and can I suggest to you that there was more people coming into Jerusalem for Passover than were there. So people were not even knowing who Jesus was. In Matthew 21, verse 10, it says, When Jesus entered Jerusalem and the whole parade of the palms being thrown down, and again, we talked about it, so I'm not going to go into that. The whole city was stirred up, man. Everybody was all excited, man. I mean, th this processional is coming in, and, and Jesus is there on the donkey, and the disciples are there. Don't you think they're all happy? They're not just like walking around like a funeral. I mean, they're excited. It was actually a funeral procession, but they didn't realize that. But they're all happy, and man, the whole city was stirred up. Up. And the people said, who is this? And the crowds answered, verse 11, this is Jesus. He's the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So the crowds are even answering to these people who are unsuspecting and not knowing who this was. 
But there's still some that hadn't been touched by Jesus. There's still some that didn't have a clue who he is. This week is often called or referred to as the Holy Week because this is where, starting at Palm Sunday and now, as again I mentioned, read from Matthew 21 on, that you just see all the different things that happen one after the other, and all of it's leading up to the cross. Good Friday is all about the cross. This Friday is Good Friday. It's all about what Jesus did paying the sacrifice for our sins. But you see, in order by the Hebrew and the Jewish standards for the acceptable to be accepted by God, the the temple had to be cleansed. So in Matthew 21, verse 12, Jesus entered into the temple courtyard. And people always misquote this. And they think that Jesus did this all the time, but he did it one time. He did it right now because this was the time it needed to clear the temple, to clean it out so that the sacrifice that was him being poured out would be acceptable to God. Look at this. He began chasing out all those who were buying and selling there, and he turned over the tables of the people who were exchanging money, and he also turned over the benches of those who were selling doves. In the next verse, And he said to them, it is written that the Lord said, my house will be called a house where people can pray. Isaiah 56, 7 is that reference. But you are making it a den for robbers. Jeremiah 7, 11. See, Jesus went in there, and one translation says he sat down and he made a whip. He didn't already have one. He didn't go out and buy one. He sat down and took the time to make the whip to go in there and just turn everything upside down and to make it happen. But you see, he was preparing the temple to be able to accept the sacrifice that was his life. Fast forward on through all the different things. And again, I encourage you to go read it. It's an amazing thing. And during this Holy Week, it's a great time to go and read that part of the Bible. But Jesus ends up on the night, that would be Thursday night for us. He ends up in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying. He knows what's going on and he feels the pressure on him. Man, I just love that because he, he identifies with the pressures that I feel. He identifies with the pressure you feel. He didn't just come here and just have a cakewalk. He experienced the same things that we do. Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. So this is to the group of the 12 disciples, okay? Then he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sad and troubled. So he had the 12 hang out over here and say, hey, just watch and pray. Just go over there and sit down, but pray and and develop this relationship with God the Father because he knew what was coming. But he's still encouraging them to pray. Then he took the three to come along with him. And as he's going to pray, he feels sad and troubled. That is so encouraging to me. That Jesus, the Son of God, the greatest person ever to have lived, was able to feel sad. And trouble. See, emotions aren't bad. They're not from the devil. They're normal. If you're feeling sad or if you're feeling troubled, Jesus felt that as well. When I go through difficulties, 
He went through difficulties. Whether or not we have difficulties is not the question. It's what do you do in the difficulties? He began to be sad and troubled. Verse 38, then he said to them, my soul is very sad and I feel close to death. Can I tell you, he felt what was about to happen closing in on him. Sometimes we feel close to death, but it's not close to death. But he actually felt the seriousness. And then he said to them, the three, stay here and watch with me. Keep watch with me. Verse 39, and he went a little further. So now he's by himself. Then he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it's possible, take this cup of suffering away from me. But let what you want to be done, not what I want. Let your will, another translation says, not my will. Can I show you that he is feeling his humanity. He's feeling like I do that. I don't, I don't want to go through this. The three Hebrew children were saying, we don't want to go through this. We don't want to be thrown into that fire. But we know that our God is able to take us through it. Jesus is saying, look, I don't want it. And if there's any way that you can take this away from me, Father, Daddy, please. Verse 40, then he returned to his disciples, and he found them sleeping. And, and he said to them, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Peter, come on, I told you how serious this is. I mean, how many times did we see that Jesus told them, man, I'm sad and I feel death. I feel all this stuff. Wouldn't your compassion just jump out and go, Jesus, I got you. Jesus, I'm here with you. Man, I'm not, man, I'm not going to let nothing happen. Jesus, I got your back. He says, couldn't you watch Peter for one hour? One hour, Peter, I was gone and you couldn't do it. But look at this, verse 41. And I believe there's a recipe here, and I broke it up a little bit on purpose. But I believe this is an amazing word, not only for Peter, not only for the three, not only for the twelve, but for you and for me. Look at this. Watch and pray. So when you've got difficulties that are staring you down, when the, the, the coronavirus has got everybody in quarantine and no one's worked for weeks for me, it's going on four weeks now. Michael was saying it's, it's almost five for him. And we haven't had any money coming in. And, and all of these different things. And, and there's a lot of supplies out there. You go to the grocery store and there's nothing on the shelves. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff going on. We need to say, watch and pray. Look at the next side of this. Then you won't fall into sin. Sin means you missed it. Then you won't miss it. Look at the next one. When you're tempted. Doesn't say if you're tempted. It says when. Can I tell you, every single one of us are going to go through a time in our lives, multiple times to be honest, when we're all tempted. When we're tempted to lose it. And right now, there's a lot of people that are tempted to lose it. And I'm not saying sin is you're going out and robbing a bank or going out and committing adultery or commit all these things that we label sin. I'm talking about missing it, even in trusting and knowing that God's got this under control. Watch and pray. 
then you won't miss it when you're tempted. The Spirit's willing. The Spirit is the Spirit of God. He, he's willing to work in our lives. But our body is weak. Verse 42, Jesus went away a second time and he prayed, My Father, is it possible for this cup to be taken away from me? But if I must drink it, may what you want be done. Verse 43, he came back and he found them sleeping again because they couldn't keep their eyes open. Verse 44, so he left them and went away once more. For the third time, he prayed the same thing. And, and I often talk about this during 21 days of prayer because Jesus prayed the same thing three different times. There's nothing wrong with us praying and asking God a second time, a third time, a tenth time. Keep bringing your needs to God. Jesus experienced sadness and felt close to death and he felt all of the weight of depression on him. He vocalized it to his closest companions and they let him down. And he went and prayed. He gave us the formula to watch and pray. So can I tell you, in this time, see, I told you it wasn't going to be your traditional Palm Sunday. In this time of uncertainty and unprecedented times, I'm kind of getting tired of hearing those two terms of this thing. But as we're legitimately here, we need to watch and pray. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were convinced that God was able to deliver them. And even if they got thrown in the fire, he was going to get them out. Jesus also, in his humanity, could feel the pressure and the sadness and, and the approaching death. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chose to stand up to the king. And Jesus chose the will of his father. Jesus said, not what I want. As much as I know, it's, it's, if there's any way that I wouldn't have to go through this, Father God, but I'm still going to choose you. Now they come and they, they go back and then the soldiers come and, and they go to arrest Jesus. And, and Peter, thinking this was the time to fight, he pulls out a sword and he, you probably know the story. He cut the, sh the ear off of one of them and Jesus uh, healed that person. And in verse 52, he said, put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to them. All who use the sword will die by the sword. Look at verse 53. Do you think I can't ask my father for help? See, he just spent these hours. We don't know if it was three hours because three times came back or maybe it was more time. I don't know how long he prayed, but it was at least three hours. Do you think that I didn't spend the time there that I could have asked God to deliver me, that my father, and, and he would send an army of more than 70,000 Angels just right away. What are you doing? I, I don't need your help to, to pull out your sword to attack these people. Don't you think I could ask? Look at verse 54. But then how would the scriptures come true? 
Jesus says, my destiny is to walk this path. Can I tell you, your destiny is to walk this path. And you can ask God to take you out and to deliver you. And sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is you need to walk through this Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Sometimes you've got to walk through this fire. You've got to go through the flood. You've got to go through this quarantine. But this Friday is Good Friday. I want you to think about it. Maybe pull out the, the, the Passion of the Christ movie and watch it. Receive the fullness of what Jesus did for us. So next Sunday, for Resurrection Sunday, we're going to have a great celebration. While we're not able to meet and we're still going to have another service next week, and it'll be a time of celebration, think and receive the fullness of what he did. How he went and prepared the temple. And how he went through all the different things and all these different parables that he went through trying to prepare everyone for what was coming. But I love Hebrews chapter 4, starting with verse 14. It says, We have a great high priest. He's gone up into the heavens. He's already made it through his whole journey and his whole destiny. And now he's at the right hand of the Father. He is Jesus, the Son of God. So let us hold firmly to what we say we believe. Hey, if you're saying you're believing in God, or you're still checking it out and you're still trying to figure it out, hey, let's recognize that He is Jesus. Verse 15. We have a high priest who can feel it when we are weak and hurting. He knows what's going on in your life. He, he knows what's going on. He can feel it. Feel it means He's got empathy because He walked in the same place. Look at this. Because we go back to because we have a high priest who has been tempted in every way just as we are. How can he feel what I'm feeling because he felt it here? How can he experience what you feel in sadness and depression because he felt it here? How did he know what I'm going through? How, how is this working? Pastor Kevin, how can I go to God because I, I, he's so far away? No, no, no. He came here and experienced what you experience and what I experience. Verse 16. So let us boldly approach the throne of grace. Then we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it. Please bow your heads. Where do you find yourself today? What do you have need of? We just saw in the scripture, the last one, that God's grace is available to you. But are you convinced? Are you like the, the three Hebrew children that you say, man, no matter what the, the, the world wants to throw at me, I know that my God is able. And if, if he doesn't deliver me from it, he'll deliver me through it. Are you convinced? Or maybe you're still just checking it out. This morning, today, whenever you're listening to this, I, I would invite you to step out and to trust him. No, it's not about joining a church. It's not about joining this church. And it's certainly not asking you to trust me. But on this Palm Sunday, I invite you to give God a chance. 
Step out in faith. And it's very simple. If you want to do that, simply say this prayer with me. Say, God in heaven, today I come to you. I'm going to trust in you and begin a relationship with you. I want to know you. And I ask you to forgive me for every time that I've missed it. And I surrender my life to you. Thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. The best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Father, I pray for everyone who just prayed that prayer for the first time. Or maybe they're coming back. Maybe they got off the path. And they're ready to come back. And and they're just going to say, okay, God, I'm going to step back out in faith and trust in you. Lord, I know that all of heaven is rejoicing for every single one. Lord, I thank you that you're our deliverer. And even as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were convinced, and Jesus was convinced that, that there was a different way, but that they were worried more about you and following your way than the difficult situations that stood in front of them. Lord, I thank you that you're a healer. And in this time, where there's people that need your healing touch, God, that you're there. Lord, that we can call and we can make petition. Maybe we need to pray like Jesus more than one time and two times or three times, maybe a hundred times. Maybe a hundred times a day we're going to pray. We're going to make petition for you. And Lord, lastly, I pray that we usher in your presence. Like they ushered in your presence on that Palm Sunday. All of them jubilee and all of them excited. Lord, let our excitement be contagious to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you made that decision, I invite you today to to take the next step, and that's simply to text the word NEXT to 469-289-1114. Again, that's text the word NEXT to 289-1114. And we want to hear your testimonies. We want to hear what God is doing in your life. And, and I encourage you to give hope to someone else and invite them to take this journey with you. I, in fact, I invite you to take today's message and copy that URL and send it to someone and invite them to come and take this journey with you. And then use the opportunity to talk to them about the message. And, and man, did you know that about those three Hebrew children? Did you know that Jesus took the three? And, and just go through the different points and the things that stood out to you. Lastly, as we close, if you want to be a part of the financial solution that is this church, and let me just encourage you to not give up on giving during this time of quarantine and calamity. And if you don't have money coming in, you don't have money to go out. And I understand that. But tithing, and there was a funny joke about it last week, but tithing is about getting the percentage of money that comes in. That's God's economy. And that opens the door for your success. Not for my success. Not for us as a church success. Yes, that is his plan. But that's not the point. You can simply do that today by texting the word GIVE to 469 410-7788. Again, that's text the word GIVE to 469-410-7788. It's a different number. It has to be different for security and the finances. Or you simply can go to 
givetobelong.com and you can go through the steps. It's in our app. It's in our website. It's everywhere in the world you want. We're happy to be there for you. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for this Palm Sunday. Lord, I thank you for my life. For 46 years ago, you opening up the door for me. Lord, I just thank you that it's an amazing gift that you've given me to walk with you. Lord, and I pray that you would be a blessing to all the people that are hearing this message the same way you've been a blessing to me. Father, I speak a blessing over everyone who's taken this journey with us and who are increasing their faith and their hope and their confidence in you by these messages, God. Lord, and we give this all to you. Lord, I speak a special blessing over everyone who's given this week. Father God, and for them stepping out in obedience and, and in faith and knowing that they're still tithe. Lord, I thank you and I speak a blessing over them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.